Well, hello, everyone. My name is Doug, and I'm a pastor here at Lord's Love Church, where everything we do is to help you receive and live out the love of Christ. Thanks for tuning in to episode five of our podcast segment called Stories from the Church, where we share stories from the church that are for the church. Thank you also for the feedback and encouragement from our launch two weeks ago on this segment, because we're really doing this podcast for two main reasons. Firstly and foremost, to honor God by stewarding the relationships and people we have here at LLC. And secondly, we're also here to serve you. So feel free to let us know how we can serve you better. Today's conversation is with Jess Lung, who's currently working as an elementary school teacher overseas. It was a blessing to have a conversation with her while she was still in town. Jess is also working through her Master's of Education at the University of British Columbia. She is passionate about traveling and seeing the world. She'll share more about that. She's also really personable, and I think that'll come through in today's episode. Jess is also going to share about what it means to be in a season of waiting, surrendering our plans and agenda, and what it looks like to go into the unknown. Jess was meant to fly back overseas to her workplace uh, earlier this year, but after seven months, she still found herself in Vancouver. So she's going to share about her seven months of resting, of waiting, of trusting in the Lord, and we're going to hear more about her story there. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Jess Lowe. This is technically take two because we had some <laughs> technical difficulties earlier with, right. with my laptop. Uh, so yeah, hi Jess. Hey Doug. Oh man, it, it feels like I've known you quite for for quite a few years now. We've gone through quite um, I don't know quite a few life stages as you mentioned before. Uh, I'm trying to remember actually when the first time it, it was that I met you. Well, yeah, it's like it's always interesting. I find with like friendships and relationships that you've had for a very long time, because then it just becomes so a part of your life that you just forget or you don't remember how you first met and then how that friendship was formed. It just like, it just happened. Like, and um, yeah, it's always something that I think about and I'm always amazed, especially with relationships that have spanned over a decade. And um mm. Yeah, like the other day, like I mentioned to you and Jess how I first met or saw Jess, yeah. your wife. And then like in preparation for this podcast, I was like, well, how did I first meet Doug? And and then I remembered how I first met you. And it was through Coffee House at uh, Lord's Love. Um, our yeah. mutual friend, Serena, she invited me. Um, and then uh, when I arrived, like people were mingling and stuff like that. And then she introduced me to you. And yeah, when I first met you, you were wearing like um, the coffee house skit like outfit or something. Like I think it was some sort of suit. It was oversized. I don't remember what character <laughs> you played, but I just remember meeting you and you were like, hey, I'm Doug. And um, the first comment you made was, oh, um, this is not how I usually dress, right? Like this is for the skit. Right. And I think it was Gabe or someone who was beside us or like in our group and then he was like what do you mean Douglas this is what you wear every day and we all like kind of chuckled and then I added into that comment saying like oh you're kind of like a cartoon character where you have the exact same outfit all lined up in your wardrobe to wear every day and right yeah I think I think <laughs> that's when we first met <laughs> right if memory serves us correctly yeah I'm just thinking you talk about cartoons is like growing up two people mention Doug the cartoon. And oh yeah. For, yeah. For those listeners <laughs> dear, that still dear, know what we're talking about. Your diary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then there's like a Peter. Well, no, is yeah, this Peter? I don't Peter know. Blue, and then, blue friend. 
Yeah, and who was Doug's girlfriend or the crush that he had? Like something uh, marmalade? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mayonnaise. Patty mayonnaise. Oh, Patty mayonnaise. Yeah, not for, marmalade. For listeners of our same generation. <laughs> yeah. People are like, we have no idea what you're talking about right now. Yeah. Yeah, but coffee house is often the first uh, point where I meet people and they see me mm. dressed up in all sorts of crazy things. For those that don't know, coffee house is something we do. Uh, maybe less so now at Lord's Love every single year. It's kind of our outreach event where we have skits and testimonies and whatnot. And the skits are usually kind of funny. So hence the baggy suit. I don't remember. I'm probably playing some random character again. Yeah. Probably. I, there's there's a history of quite colorful <laughs> random characters. But um, yeah, like I, I just, even though I don't remember exactly how we met I do remember how I felt when I first met you and I instantly mm. felt like you were connecting with me and that you were personable and wow. warm and that you genuinely like care when you meet wow. people so yeah. that's how I felt right wow thanks for that Jess like really and, and honestly like throughout like from then all the way to now like our families have gotten to know each other right we got to know being in each other's lives like uh, the way that you, you know, care for our kids, like Cohen and Ryan, uh, we love that interaction and your heart uh, as uh, as a person, also as a as a teacher, uh, mm. has really come through. We, we've been in the same life group together in the mm -hmm. past. I think we've been on a few retreats together, so it's been yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like it's like those things are like yeah. I'm sure we did like it's like it all blurs. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, this is part of like getting older. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we're aging ourselves already, even oh, though we're not that old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for you though, like Lord's Love wasn't your home church growing up, I guess. No, um, I actually grew up in the sister church, Lord's Grace Church. Um, I grew up there. My parents, um, my parents, when they moved to Vancouver um, separately as individuals. And then that's where they met. And then that's where they married. And that's where me and my brother were like born into. And so I basically mm. kind of grew up with that kind of normacy of, okay, we go to church on Sundays. And then on Fridays is also like the fellowship thingy. So it was just kind of like, this is what we do kind of thing. Right. And so, mm. yeah, just growing up, going to church because my parents went. So it's kind of like I followed oh. along with them. Yeah. Do, do you remember the point where you accepted Jesus or what was that process? Uh, like? I felt like, I don't know if it was really personal. Cause then, yeah, like I went through mm. um, the equivalent of Awana growing up and then also then like youth group and stuff. And, you know, in like youth group, when you go on those like retreats and stuff like that, it's like, oh, like I'm so like, yeah. And then you like, it's like almost like for safe measures like I'm gonna accept Christ again just in case right and then, so I right. felt like it wasn't very personal um because it was just like oh this is something that I do and like the people that were older than me like then they like you know I was just kind of like oh this is the way things are done so um I think my personal relationship and really accepting Jesus is like maybe when I was in university oh, um, wow. where okay. um, or later yeah university right, right, because right. I think like that's when I felt like I could really explore it without feeling ashamed of it in a sense like wow. oh there's that kind of idea like oh you grew up in the church you should know right like why are you like asking right. these questions or like you should be of this level or something like that. And so I think by 
going to another church where like I wasn't like always watched in a sense or I didn't feel like oh I should know that or like I would Mm. be questioned then that's where I really got to explore and um learn and uh yeah be kind of like um growing in in another environment yeah wow so in in a way like going off venturing on your own you're able to make your faith your own like because you weren't under the care of your parents in that way or yeah that's not to say that's not to say that like oh my parents like um didn't influence my growth um but i think it was uh for me to approach it with my own um uh like of my own volition in a sense right and um to take my time with it so right yeah to like take ownership over like me actually pursuing god and not just like this is what i do like you know yeah yeah oh thanks for sharing that that's pretty you know intimate information in terms of your personal life (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but in terms of like making it your own uh from what i know about you and what i've observed and seen there have been some pretty big decisions that you've made over and we'll get into that Mm -hmm. (laughs) later on (laughs) yes spoiler alert but as i think about you like i think of someone that's adventurous i think of someone Mm. that uh not sure wanderlust is the right word in a good way right mm. like you 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 enjoy exploring you enjoy the outdoors uh, i remember uh, the gardening projects you know the way you connect with nature mm. and mm. gardening and and plants um yeah I'm, I'm just thinking like for some of the places you've traveled to around the world like what have been some of the most exciting places and uh what were some of your favorite places that you've gone to yeah so I, I think like I've been very fortunate in being able to travel to so many places and like if I were to list them out it sounds really braggy but I really think <laughs> you're not bragging it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, the places that I've really enjoyed going to are places where either I get to just live life there Mm. or visit people I know who are there and just to live life with them. Um, Because like, I think earlier in my beginning of just traveling around the world, it was like, yeah, like see all these places, see this, see that, da, 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 da. Mm. But then as I traveled more, I like realized like in the end, it's like kind of the same in all the places in, in different ways. Like you wouldn't, but it was like what really made um my experience or my travels to a certain place certain country were the people that i got to live life with or reconnect with or start a connection with so Mm. um yeah so places that like come to mind or um the the times that i've lived with my friend and her family in sweden like i just spent Mm. like christmases with them and it was just like we didn't like have this whole or I didn't have this whole agenda of like I gotta hit all these places it was just me like hanging out with her family in her house and just chilling out like that was awesome same as when like I've lived with my friend and her family in Korea so I feel like I have like pockets of families that adopt me and I'm just living life with them and just hanging out and yeah I think um there are a lot of beautiful places around the world but I think the thing that really makes me 
favor another place over another place is like the people that I get to connect there, connect with there or live with. And yeah. Um, but yeah, like mm. I, but, but for like adventure and all that stuff, like I really enjoyed Iceland. That was right. right. And I really enjoy Portugal because like really laid back but there's so many right. different places that i like for different reasons right so i can't really give like a clear like a set answer yeah necessarily well what i'm hearing you say though is like the destination is great and as you said like i've been to parts of europe like after a while all the cathedrals you know kind of blend in like it's the same in like asia like yeah the temples and palaces it's all like similar um kind of aesthetics of certain eras but what makes it different when you experience it through locals or people that live there and they give their insight and Mm -hmm. and yeah like I always enjoy doing like those like walking tours to like learn stuff and the one thing that I always love to do wherever I go wherever I go in my travels is I love to go to the grocery store and just interesting people watch and look (laughs) at how groceries and markets as well but like how they're organized and what different products are more emphasized over other places around the world it's so fascinating wow that that is interesting because i guess grocery store is the heart of the community says because a lot of people gather there yeah yeah like markets i love markets and just like watching people or seeing what people buy um and like in grocery stores how things are organized and like packaged it's just very fascinating yeah so that's 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 my go-to like um things that i want to do when i go to another right. country <laughs> is go grocery shopping so other people want to go to the must-see places the touristy places and then you're yeah. like i'm gonna go to the market like the grocery yeah, store yeah like i i literally like look up on my like maps i'm like where's the closest different supermarkets and markets i'm like oh there's different kinds let's go check right. it out but yeah so that reminds me when i was in greece like jess and i were in greece and then uh the market there like, normally here in, in vancouver anyways you, you would get the the produce and then you'll yeah, go yeah, to yeah. check it out right but then mm-hmm. we had to bring it to another clerk that will weigh it and then yeah. bag it for us and then yeah. bring it and that was yeah. new to me yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just so interesting different ways of life like i really i really enjoy like right learning that and almost and then in that way it it brings forth to me the different kinds of habits or like ways of life that i'm used to and it's just like interesting the contrast Right. Yeah. And, but even then though, even when you talk about the market, you talk about going to the grocery store, it's still about people. Mm-hmm. And what stood out to me too, is like, even the first time we met, it was the, it was the interaction and the mm, conversation yeah. that becomes memorable for you. Yeah. 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 Uh, which is very fascinating. I see that theme of people and connection. Yeah. Relationship. Like in, in the places that I go to very often, I always go back to the same market and, or the same wherever I buy stuff. And and, they, and the thing is, is that even though, for example, I go to Thailand once a year, but I always get my jackfruit from my jackfruit lady. I don't, is she like, she's on a particular corner. And I always go there and like, yeah, it's just nice like seeing her and she like somewhat recognizes me, well, I think. And like, even though there's that language barrier, like, yeah, that human connection and it, yeah. And same with like the city that I live in, like, and the markets, all the stalls, they pretty much sell the same thing, but you always go back to the certain vendor because 
they're nice to you or like whatever. Mm -hmm. And I always go, I always go back to this one stall because that lady there said she liked my hair and I was like, cool. And it was like, at that time it was blue. So right. I, like, yeah, I like you too. So I always yeah. go back to her to buy wow. stuff. You know what though, as you're mentioning that, like, I think that's a bit lost within our culture in, mm. in the West and in Vancouver and North America, the whole, it's not about loyalty and whatnot. It's about building up interaction and about building up a relationship. Like I would choose to go to a certain coffee shop. Yes, they have good coffee, but actually it's more for an interaction of the people. Mm. Like I might see so-and-so at 9am every single morning that drinks his coffee or her coffee there, or the same barista is going to be there or go to the same aisle at the local grocery store because i know so-and-so is going to be checking yeah, out my yeah. groceries yeah and that's lost i i think yeah yeah i think it's also like that idea of like if you're like that person that strikes up a conversation with a stra stranger or something then you're like it could be taken either way you could be like oh it's like that person again or like oh that was really like creepy but then on the other hand like depending on the receiving end of like how yeah Right. So, huh. Actually, that reminds me, as we're going on this tangent. Uh, <laughs> like, I know. I was like, sorry, uh, uh, listeners, uh, uh, like, uh, uh, go off on tangents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of grocery store. I'm just thinking about how, like, uh, like I was at Superstore, and then I was saying how, like, um, it was very clean, like, the, the whole till. And then when I said, oh, it's very clean here, uh, she was like, are you being sarcastic? I was like, no, no, no. I, I, mean, I mean, it's actually very clean, and I really appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I appreciate uh, but it kind of shows the attitude and maybe the hostility of the time we're living in, like where, you know, the connection and we're not used to it or everyone yeah. seems more hostile than friendly. Uh, yeah. So I, I see that you bring a lot of joy and I hope that's coming through here, like joy to people around and the conversations oh, that we have <laughs> and you make a difference uh, in that way. Our random chats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> random chats. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking too, like in all the places you've gone to, is, are there still places you're wanting to travel to? Like, um, I think like for selfish reasons, I would love to go to Antarctica because <laughs> that is a continent. That's the last continent that I've not touched. In mm. a and, I, and I know it sounds silly, but I'd really love to go to Antarctica and just build a snowman there and like maybe visit the different research facilities and like, right. Yeah, right. Like give them human. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, but I would love to, once again, like I'd love to go to the cities or places where um, some of my like friends or teammates live in and just like see them again. Mm. Like it's one thing to, yeah, do like text messages or like FaceTime or Zoom or whatever. But I think it's just really nice to be able to live life with them and not necessarily we have to do stuff together, but just be in each other's presence. I think, yeah. yeah, I'd really like just like to do daily life with them, grocery shopping, do different like errands or just hang out in their home. Mm. You know what? I love that. Like even in your traveling, even in maybe we call it vacation or not, there's intention and purpose mm. in, in building up connection uh, with people. I, I remember, I think I saw a picture once, was it your Instagram where you're chasing after a sheep or oh, a yeah. lamb oh, and you're yeah. like, I just want to <laughs> hug you. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. I haven't updated in a while, but yeah, yeah, well, I don't want to anymore, but yeah, 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 like that was during one of my hikes with um, my fellowship group in, in London, in the UK, mm. we went uh, hiking to, in the Lake District, and yeah, there was a bunch of sheep, right. and I wanted to like get closer to it, but they're so skittish, yeah. but interestingly, though, um, 
in, in the UK, I was trying to approach the sheep, but when I was in New Zealand, I got, I got chased by, by, by two sheep. And really? It, was really, it was really scary. Like it charged me because I think it thought, it thought I was like threatening its family. So right. like it started charging me and my friend and we got really spooked out. So just made that connection now. I was just going to suggest, like, it, when you get a chance to go to Antarctica, isn't that where the penguins are? Like, uh, you, you get a chance to maybe hug them, but I'm like, maybe not. Maybe they're pretty yeah, vicious. Yeah, no, I don't know. I've seen <laughs> penguins at a distance in South Africa. Right. Um, but it's like, they're the smaller ones. And right. I don't know. I don't, I don't particularly think it would be like, well received <laughs> if yeah. I like, try to approach like these like protected animals. Yeah. So as I think of all the places you've traveled to and just your, your, your life of wander and curiosity, like, what would you say is the most extreme thing that you've done? Hmm. Yeah, like um, when you sent me these like questions ahead of time to kind of ponder and reflect upon, yeah, this question really stood out to me in a sense that there was the word extreme. Um, I think when people see that word extreme, they automatically think of like, you know, like bungee jumping, skydiving, whitewater rafting, like all these kind of um, extreme short term kind of things. And, um, and yeah, I would agree, like those are extreme. And like, yeah, I've done them myself. And I was like, Oh, wow, cool. Okay, I did that. Right. Um, and from the outside perspective, like, wow, like, just did all these extreme things but for me when I was thinking about this I really felt like the most extreme things that I've ever done in my life or have done in my life have been when I've kind of moved forward in my life not knowing what was going to happen next wow. and I feel like that extreme that like the reason why I think it's extreme is because um, it impacts my way of life and it impacts kind of more long-term and it kind of disrupts um, me trying to plan hundred steps ahead. And I don't know the outcome like for skydiving and all these extreme things, you kind of know what the outcome will be. And also like, it's a short period of time. It's a moment and right. it's compartmentalized. Right. So you could then do that and then go off to do the rest of your life. Right? So in that way, it's like a short term kind of like what jolt. But then for me, yeah, like going back, all the extreme things that I've done have been me going, changing my life, basically, and going somewhere, not knowing like what's going to happen. And yeah, like I was like thinking about those moments in my life. And they would be when I lived in Japan, when I mm. lived in the UK, and then when I moved to China, like I think those three points and other things in between, they were all extreme in a sense that they forced me to basically navigate with limited control. Mm -hmm. um, and like, yeah, like I could try to prepare and m move forward, but realistically like that like my plans could not be possible because of something else could have happened and yeah, yeah so it was extreme in a sense that I was making a risky kind of life choice change like an extreme change 
and um yeah like I think yeah. it, I don't know how to describe it but basically like it was kind of like different but what I was doing what I decided to do was so different from our our social circles what everyone else was doing like you and me and everyone in our life group they were kind of like following this certain life pattern this different trajectory whereas I was like oh I'm gonna do this and it was something completely different and I felt like it was an extreme move because I didn't have any kind of person before me that did the similar thing so I was kind of like going into like unknown territory and yeah, yeah. I don't know <laughs> yeah no I, I th thanks for sharing that it was really good I'm, I'm thinking what stood out to me there was when you're talking about extreme and then the word control was highlighted to mm, me like often yeah. we chase after these whatever you, you mentioned white water rafting bungee jumping whatever like we chase after these extreme moments because they're moments where we feel out of control like out mm -hmm. of the norm but even then in itself they're kind of controlled because yeah. well, ho hopefully anyways like yeah you're supposed to get the good out outcome but we chase after these moments hoping to i guess experience a loss of control but as you mentioned there it's like when it's actually big events that we actually lose control like we're like no we don't as human beings we, we want to mm, mm, like, mm, like, mm. go away from that uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we don't want discomfort we don't want to feel out of control mm, um, and so but then the most extreme youth uh, things that you mentioned is like like when you're following a direction where you're leaving your life wherever it was and moving on to something else um, you mentioned Japan. I know that was that was a tough season. Yeah, that was yeah. hard. Like I don't hard. mind sharing that. Yeah. Well, I was like, I think you're the only person I know that's like an earthquake survivor. Oh. Has been an earthquake in general of that magnitude. Yeah. Magnitude. Yeah. If you want to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. So for listeners that don't know, yeah. like, so I lived in Japan studying there, and um, yeah, like I, I lived there when the big earthquake happened in March. Um, so what happened was like I was um, out on the street uh, with uh, a friend from church. Um, we were in Shibuya, which is like really busy. Like when you think of Tokyo, Japan, like usually those images of that that neighborhood pops up, like well, big big intersections and everything. Is that the crossing? Uh, yeah, that big yeah. one, and it yeah, has like crossing. that that like famous dog statue. Right. Oh, oh no, dog no, statue. that's that's uh, oh for listeners, I did this like. <laughs> The running heads. man yeah. guy. The running man's in Osaka. Oh, anyways, okay. <laughs> anyways, the man. But anyways, um, so yeah, I was walking on the street and then I, we like saw our, another friend from church, like ahead of us. And we're like, oh, there's so-and-so. And then he all of a sudden like, kind of like looked a little bit unsettled. And then he like grabbed like a lamppost and we're like, oh, I hope he's oh. okay. And then, and I just remember big crash, big bang. And like the ground just like moving and uh. I was like, oh, and like everyone, there was like this strange sense of like everyone went silent and all we heard were the buildings like quaking. And I remember I was, I, I was, I was outside the Forever 21 building, like the, the store mm. and it was like all glass. And oh. I just remember the glass, like the whole building swaying, like a ripple effect. Wow. And I was like looking up and then I was like, oh no, like if that breaks, we're all done. Right. And I remember like, yeah, that just kept like just being very unsettled and like things like going crazy. And then 
after a certain amount of time, like that initial shock, I guess you could say, we, we um, like, it was just kind of chaotic. And then, then there was multiple aftershocks afterwards and like, couldn't get onto phones because yeah, like everyone's trying to call. So like cell phone towers are like freaking out. And mm. then, um, and then I was, yeah, then, so it was me and my two friends and we're like, what's like, what's happening? And just like state of panic. And then like thinking about it now, like I, like I realized the magnitude of like danger I was in and mm. or was in and, um, and like, yeah, like also the sheer power that God has, like I was in awe of that. But wow. then I also like what happened after is like, I really see how God provided in me, provided in our, in some ways, because yeah, it was just, it was chaotic. And then we like somehow like bumped into our other friend from church and then they're like, oh, we're on our way to so-and-so's apartment to just like bunkered at like refuge in a way, right? Like, let's just all go, right? And I remember like, because the phones were not working, they were doing, I don't know how they did it, but they were doing like some sort of like walkie talkie kind of thing with their phone. And then we managed to find their apartment and then we were just like kind of huddling there and hung out. So like, yeah, like I realized like how God provided in that time of like finding refuge essentially for me and also like people to be with. And um, yeah, so there's more after that, but that's, that's one thing. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, I I can't, I can't imagine like that. That is quite a, an, quite an experience. I'm glad you're with us now. I can't believe it happened to me either. Like, it's like, wow. Okay. Right. Like that's just another, I mean, this is pretty extreme example of being out of control, literally where your whole Mm. world literally again around you is shaking. Yeah. And you're just, you know, there uh, hoping that you make it through. Wow. Mm. That's really quite something. You, you, you mentioned, um, uh, you were in Japan for training. Uh, yeah. Oh no, for, tra- school. for school, for school. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I yeah. was, um, yeah, I was doing university there and Great. then this cut it short. <laughs> yeah. And then that kind of, you're like, well, it's time to come home. Well, uh, even yeah. the aspect of, um, coming home was like quite a journey too. Like, how do you get home right like planes and stuff like that so but yeah by by the grace of god like i was able to evacuate um but that was still like a week or so after it happened and that the time from the initial start of the earthquake till when i actually evacuated was i think at least a week and it was quite stressful because there were like continual aftershocks and like then there was that nuclear thing too yeah, and i was yeah. like oh. so that was that was a uh, quite um an experience <laughs> yeah yeah uh, would you want to tell us more about your background and your training in terms of oh, you, yeah. You're, yeah you were there for for so, school university yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. so i uh did my undergrad at ubc and my focus was in uh well i was in the department of faculty of arts and my focus was on Japanese language and culture. And I uh, went to Keio University in Tokyo to like kind of really do focus on translation work and stuff like that. So I, I really thought that I was yeah. going to be based there like in the future. And like, oh, this is why God has given me a skill to like, I don't know, do translation work. And um, 
do ministry if I want to in this area. So mm. yeah, so that was like my undergrad. And then, um, and then I did my uh, bachelor's of education focusing on elementary years um, at UBC as well. Mm. And, uh, and now I've uh, just started my master's of education at UBC. Right, so, right. I guess I, I guess I really love UBC. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just thinking of all, all the education that you've gone through and you are going through and that you have that foundation and that backing. But at the same time, as we talk about extreme and, and you know, losing control and whatnot, that has led you to some interesting places around the world mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of even what you're doing now and uh, just your constant pursuit of following God and being obedient to him and how often he doesn't lead us to the comfortable places. Uh, but it's within these uncomfortable places that you found your calling as well. And you find mm. this kind of comfort in knowing that this is where God would, would have you. Yeah. And I find it interesting when you say the word calling, because like, I think through these past, this past year, like the beginning, half, like it's right. been really, um, I've been really reflecting upon like how the aspect of calling can like change and evolve. Like it's not set. And um yeah i don't know that that's just the thing i wanted to say <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, that's good. i don't know how no, that's good. well I'm, I'm thinking about teaching too because teaching is highly well it's connected with people and you mm. have a passion and a heart for people so in terms yeah. of how how well how, how yeah what was the journey into education like mm. or how did you discover that like yeah so like i've always liked kids like i like working with kids and um, throughout high school and university, like I had part-time jobs, like tutoring and stuff like that. And so, yeah, like I've always worked with kids in, um, like summer camp kind of capacity and whatever. Um, and so after I finished my, uh, bachelor's of arts, uh, I was just like, well, what do I do next? And I was like, well, I guess I could do a master's in arts, like, in Japanese and I think in some ways like I just wanted to pro like per like I didn't want to like venture into adulthood yet so I was mm, like oh maybe yeah. if I do my master's like you know kind of do student life a little bit more and not have to deal with it. but then um I was thinking well if I pursue a master's in arts like that kind of like leads into like academia research kind of stuff and that's something I didn't really want to do I knew that I wouldn't want to have an office job or a job where I'm just kind of buried doing Mm, stuff. I like, like you mentioned, like I like that working with people, human connection. And so it was actually my mom and my dad who was like, well, why don't you like look into teaching or something like that? You love traveling and teaching is something that is a skill that uh, you can easily transport to like other places around the world. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like I haven't worked with kids in a classroom setting ever I haven't been in an elementary classroom since I was an elementary student (laughs) myself so like I don't know what it's like but um through like some mutual friends and things like that I was able to volunteer in a um elementary classroom and through that volunteer experience I was like yeah I like this like I think I could do it and so that's how I kind of ventured into that uh did my um yeah, my bachelor's of education at UBC. Mm-hmm. And from there, like right away after graduation, like I went to the UK and I started teaching there. And 
I was able to, yeah, like meet a, meet a lot of people, um, connect with like a church there and through that be really able to learn from the people there as well as help me settle. And I think that's something that I found wherever I go in the world. Um, when I'm able to find a church community, that really helps me settle and ground mm. me in that place. And that's where I really see the, the breadth and depth of the body of Christ. Wow. Yeah. I remember having that conversation when you moved to the UK and you, at that moment, you weren't sure how long you're going to be there for. And even yeah. the UK, the education system and culture is mm-hmm. different than mm-hmm. here, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's quite a bit of adapting. But one of the first things I remember you talking is like, hey, I need to find a church. Like mm-hmm. I need to find a place and I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't know any, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but then I was thankful as we we're praying along for each other, like in terms of how you found someone, mm-hmm. I found a church there and you're able mm-hmm. to have those connections because again, like, like I, I think we're built for community and we're mm-hmm. built to bounce these ideas and have conversations and to interact. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you, you were in the UK and then you came back for a little bit and then, now you are overseas again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I loved my school in the UK and I loved my community. Um, and my visa was coming to an end on December 1st. And I was like, I was like, Oh, like, what do I do? My school was like, Oh, we'll like sponsor you for your next visa or whatever. And I was like, Oh yeah. Like I'd love that. But then at the same time I was, there was like, there's two factors. Um, one was that like, if I were to, um, uh, reapply for this new visa, I would have to exit the UK for it to like happen. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's so bothersome. (laughs) So it was a bit of laziness. But then on the other hand, I was like, well, I can, I can always come back to this. Like there, there was just something that I felt like I wanted to do something more. I, I wasn't, I don't know how to necessarily, um, iterate it but it just felt like I want to do something more and um, Mm. that's when I started looking into um, like other ventures and other opportunities Um, and then I and then it began the process of like okay well my school is is graciously allowing me to stay on with them until I actually leave on December 1st Mm. Um, but like what do I do when I get back and where do I move forward afterwards? Right. Because I guess you could say um, the, the, the smart thing to do would be like to start a new job right away. Like the smart sure. thing is to not quit your job without having something lined up for you afterwards. In right. my mind, that's what right. I thought, right? right? But then I was, but then when I researched into like other ventures I can go into, there was like this kind of um, conflict of schedules where if I were to teach somewhere in Asia, um, their school year usually starts like February. Um, mm. But if I were to um, do other things, then there's like a conflict of schedule in that like they would overlap. And, and then therefore, like I was like, okay, I have to kind of like choose what to do. Right. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking of in terms of um, like there's what's coming to mind is that you're very intentional in terms Mm -hmm. of the decisions that you make. 
Uh, and then even the whole, you're not pushing against what's natural just for the sake of pushing against. Like you mentioned about like, well, it's natural to, after you finish a degree, you get a job or you quote unquote settle down, whatever that looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the, the natural process of us and how we live in the West. Like there's a reason why our parents, you know, immigrated you know, mm-hmm. over these for us to have this life. But in some sense, like, uh, and I, I hear your parents having a great influence on your life. But also hear how God has led you through certain places and you've been very reflective and intentional and in thinking, God, is this where you would have me? Mm. That, that's where I see you now, like mm. uh, serving where you're serving, doing what you're doing overseas. And uh, you care to explain what you do to the most, yeah. as much detail as you like to share with us? Yeah, yeah. sure. So I'll, 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 I'll explain it by going back to when I'm making this decision with the UK, if that's okay. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, when I, when I, was looking into these other opportunities, these different ventures. It was actually um, the summer before. So it was like June, July, around that time, leading up to when I would have to depart in December. And um, when I was like, okay, well, what's this something more that I can do, right? And so we actually, um, when I say we, I mean me and my roommate, um, my friend Vivian. Vivian, hi, if you're listening. Um, she uh, she had a friend or two friends actually stay with us um, in London for a period of time, and they were transitioning back to uh, Canada from Taiwan. Um, they were with a particular organization, and so I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna look up this organization." And so I went onto their website, and then I was like, "Okay, well, if I leave in, if I'm back in Vancouver in around December, then what's happening around the world with this organization in December, January. So I did kind of like a search and then some, and I was like, okay, let's refine it. I want to work with kids. Went into there and then it popped up these different locations. And then I was like, well, where's a place I haven't been that I think I would enjoy. And so I was like, let's choose Thailand. I like spicy food and it's Mm -hmm. warm. So I, um, I refined it to that search and these different postings popped up and I was like, what's a TCK? I don't know what this is, Mm -hmm. but I'm going to send an inquiry. And so I sent like some questions to the office in Canada and inquired about it. And um, yeah, they were looking for people um, who could serve um, these group of kids called third culture kids um, for uh, cross-cultural workers um in their cities and i was like wow that's a lot of encrypted words that i don't understand but i'm gonna inquire more and um and yeah so then through like correspondences like i just kind of vaguely found out like okay essentially i'm gonna be working with these kids who are the kids of families who are serving in their countries and they're meeting at a conference in thailand to do training and the kids will be there as well. And so I'd be developing, supporting their families by um, working with the kids, developing program, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, sounds cool. And so um, the timing of one of the postings, I was like, oh, that's good. Because if I do end up wanting to teach somewhere, maybe in Thailand, um, that the timing of it works out if I just do one. And it's for like a two week commitment. So I was like, oh, that's doable. Um, but then as I like kind of corresponded with them more, they were like, oh, like I, we noticed that there's another conference that happens right afterwards. Would you like to be a part of that as well? And then I wasn't really sure. Cause I was like, oh, if I do both, then 
then it kind of bleeds into the other timing of potentially starting a new job. Um, I was like, okay. And I was like weighing all the options. I was like, do I do both? Do I just do one? And I'm like, well, if I just do one, it feels like I'm kind of like only going half in and long story short, I ended up deciding to, um, participate in both of these conferences, working with these two um, groups, um, and then uh, accepting the fact that I wouldn't necessarily have a job that I could be able to do afterwards, and I would be like, fun employed for like <laughs> half a year, basically. Right. And I'm like, yeah, okay, right? And so I went to Thailand, um, this was in January, and, um, arrived and prior to going to Thailand like I had sent in some applications into teaching posts there mm. um, but that's another thing but focusing on the conferences like I went in not knowing exactly like what TCK or why it was important to work with them or whatever like I just went in because I was like well I'm serving in some way I don't really know what and why it's important but okay and so I went there and um, as many people who've gone to these kind of like missions in a sense, right? Like you, you learn so much and I, mm. I learned so much about the families and the kids and a lot of preconceptions that I have were kind of shifted and, um, yeah, just hearing their stories and how they're just living life in their cities and, um, serving in that way and how their kids are also serving too to the people that they're interacting with but they're essentially just living life there but living with like more with very intentional purposes whether it's in creative ways or business ways or whatever um, and just hearing the stories from adult TCKs as well as TCKs that are kids right now I just kind of heard what really stood out to me was the transitory nature of their childhood of, you know, living in a country where they really stand out or there's hard to connect with other kids, whether because mm -hmm. they're in remote locations or because culturally it's just very different. And then, you know, living X amount of years there and then going back to their passport country for X amount of years. And then that kind of just saying goodbye, saying hello so many times and, um, yeah, like what stood to me was when they shared like, oh, like, it's so nice when every year there's somebody that is a recognizable face or someone in their life that is a constant or um, that could walk alongside them. Oh. And I was like, I was like really thinking of that. And then um, I was like, I want to be one of those people in their kids' lives in some capacity. And I was like, oh, that kind of really gels with my love for teaching and love for travel and just connecting with them. And so that kind of snowballed like a bunch of other thoughts that happened afterwards. Like I remember there was like a thought in my mind of like, oh, if you taught in my country, then then um, then you'd be able to do that because every year um, it fall their their conference is always around the same time as the Lunar New Year. And if I were to teach in like uh, in a Western school in in a Western country, I wouldn't necessarily get those holidays off. But if I lived in my country, then that would. And the, 
automatic thought that I had in my head was like, oh no, right? Like, ew, ew, no, right? Because going into um, teaching, like people always say like, oh, if you go there, they're, they're always hiring and like, you'll make so much money. And I'm like, that's not yeah. what I want. Like I, I want to be somewhere where like I'll enjoy and like, so I don't want to go, I don't want to go to that. Yeah. I don't want to go to that country. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like TCKs, like it was something that I um, like had no idea what was, like I'd never heard of that term until I saw that posting and then ex- like experienced it like X amount of years ago. And then, yeah, that kind of set my journey on that path of think like, oh, like this is a group that, you know, you don't necessarily think of because you assume like, oh, they're the kids of, of these families that are serving, of mm-hmm. course, of course they're Christian, of course they're whatever, but then in actuality, like their growth and whatever is just as important. And mm. I just realized it now that like, yeah, it's similar to my own upbringing of a sense of like, yeah, I grew up in a Christian family and whatever. And, you know, I perceive that people would think, oh, of course she's Christian because her parents, like they're so active in the church and they're like, serving and blah 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 they're in the deacon da 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 and mm. but and actually like internally there are so many other things that were working through me that um yeah so yeah. um i don't know if that answered your actual yeah <laughs> well I, as you're sharing I, I, a couple of thoughts come to mind in terms of this the journey god has brought you on from well when i first met you all the way till now mm. in terms of how nothing has been wasted like everything had a purpose, even mm. though in the moment you might not have seen it or understood what's going to happen next, but there's a building block. And it's yeah. like God has his plan and what, what, what he's doing. And then yeah. also, um, what, what stood up to me, I don't know how you feel about this, in terms of how even though your life is, uh, I guess, I'm not sure you would say you haven't been experiencing stability, but you've been traveling and moving. Mm-hmm. And you know mm-hmm. we talked about settling before. But even as your life is moving around, you're wanting to help others find stability. Like especially in the ones that you're serving and the mm-hmm. in the families there, like you have that heart yeah. that comes from this relationship and this empathy that you have for them. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. You, in a way, you understand how they're feeling. Yeah, and I think like when you mention me moving around, yeah, in that way, it's not like I have a stable, steady place to live. However, I have stable relationships. Right, right. And and I think like that's the aspect that I'm striving towards with these kids, of being someone that is like a state like a at least trying to be like a person that's constant in their life like connecting with them um and that i'm not gonna like end up like disappearing on them necessarily um yeah and and as you talk about stability uh, like i'm just thinking of 2020 like this year is anything but stable (laughs) covid uh right yeah, now what, we're a, film- what an adventure on that end too <laughs> yeah it's been it's been quite a year like of all the things that have been going on with uh, the injustices in the world mm-hmm. politics being unstable mm-hmm. uh, as we're film as we're recording this right now september 17th uh, to 2020 like the forest fires like you mm-hmm. know going outside that the sun has turned blood red uh, from all the yeah. smoke yeah uh, and but the thing is though for you like this year has been unstable as well but also a season of waiting because yeah. you've been here for six months, seven months? Uh, Vancouver. Six. Uh, oh, in Vancouver? Yeah, uh, in Vancouver. So I, uh, yeah, I came back at the end of February. So 
March, April, May, June, July, August, September, like yeah, seven months, yeah. like six, seven, yeah, seven months, I would say. Yeah, um, yeah it's been um, like unexpected, prolonged, like anticipation, waiting, forced Sabbath, I would say. Yeah. Like, but like, yeah, it's always like, I, I felt like I'm always on the edge, like about to, like I'm on the precipice. I'm just teetering, but not, yeah, not like the, like the gun hasn't been shot yet to go. So I'm just like, right. just anticipating waiting. Right. So how, how has the season been, been for you in terms of like, how's God been speaking to you in the waiting mm. and surrendering your agenda, uh, um, being in the unknown, yeah. like all these big topics for you? <laughs> yeah. I think to give a bit of context, like for our listeners, yes. um, I'll explain what has transpired these past seven months in a sense of my movement. So um, I left my apartment in my city and in my country, like January 20 something. And um, I was heading to Thailand. So I packed for two for a two week period. And I packed for like, warm weather, right. And so um, and then, yeah, as I was leaving, that's when things like started kind of happening, but it hadn't exploded. So we were just like, oh yeah, I'll be okay. And so, so went down to Thailand and that's when things really started like gaining more concern as like it kind of spread beyond the city where it started in. And, and then by the, like, I guess like the second half of conference, like everyone was just like, oh, like, what do we do? Right. And, um, long story short, like I kind of ended up waiting longer in Thailand. Um, I stayed there for a little bit longer than anticipated. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, let's go to Korea now and I'll wait there. I'll stay at my friend's place and um, hopefully it'll die down in a couple of weeks and I'll be able to go home. And then yeah. so I went to Korea and then <laughs> waiting there and it was very, um, confusing as to what advice to take because our organization would send out certain advice and then um, the government would send different advice the media was saying all this information um, and my school was like still on holiday so mm -hmm. I wasn't necessarily like oh I need to go back by a certain time um, and so uh, different kind of administration decisions were made in regards to my school like delaying the start of it and that we would do online so I was like okay like I don't I I, I was like I don't want to have so much a big time zone maybe I'll just stay here in Korea because in my mind I thought oh I can I can go back maybe in March or I can go back in whenever um but uh I ended up staying in Korea for a month and then and then on one night, I was like, okay, I'm gonna fly back and I was gonna buy a ticket. I made the decision and everything like that. But then the next day when I told my parents, they were like, why are you going back? Just come back to Canada. Cause then that way it's safer. And I was like, oh, I don't know. And yeah, long story short, even more is mm. that then I flew back to Vancouver and um, yeah, that was at the end of February, beginning of March. And then I've been waiting here um, since then. There was a lot of false starts in a sense of um uh almost being able to go back but then my flight got canceled book a new one that one got canceled and then borders closed and I was like oh, okay there's no way legally I can go back now and um so that kind of mm -hmm. 
false starts of like, yes, I'm going. Oh no, I can't. Yes, I'm wow. going. No, I can't. And like, oh no, borders are closed. Like it was, it was like basically kind of like, okay, there's no, there's nothing else I can do. Like I, I, I have to stay. Right. Um, because all the means to like go back were no longer viable. Planes mm. were grounded. Countries were closed. Um, you can't transfer anywhere unless you're, you know, of that passport holder or whatever. And so it was a lot of emotions of like, yes. And then no. And just like feeling so many things and feeling very frustrated because like I was trying so hard, I was trying to push forward, but it just seems like the world was saying no. And I, mm. and, and I, there was a lot of other factors that made me fearful. And so I remember one of my teammates like was like, well, what do you, what do you hear God saying to you? Right. Yeah. And then I remember in that moment, I was like, with, with like feelings of like, um, nervousness, I was like, well, I feel like he's saying just to wait. Right. But when I acknowledged that, and when I verbalized that out, it just felt so counter to what I should do. Like I should be trying to go back there so that I can continue my work both professionally but also like with my team like I just felt right. like I was letting them down wow. or like or that because I just felt like oh if I'm if I'm not trying hard if I'm not trying all these different avenues then I'm like um disappointing people I'm letting my team down mm. and yeah so it was very selfish in that way of thinking of how does it reflect upon me mm. um and there was that tension and right. yeah and so like after that like you know I just continued just waiting because there was no viable way of being able to go back and during the interim like I was doing online teaching and it was hard because then Vancouver went all into lockdown and so so experienced it twice <laughs> <laughs> it was like three in a while um and then I couldn't meet with people too. And usually when the reason why I come back to Vancouver is to like see people and meet people. And I'm like, now it's like, Oh, well that purpose is gone kind of thing. Right. And um, so yeah, like the next months was just a lot of doing work, but also I had a lot of time during the day because with the time difference, I'm like teaching at night. So during the daytime I ended up like just, doing a lot more slow paced kind of stuff. Like I, like for me, I like to go fast. Like I well, mm. not fast all the time, but I love running. I love like riding my bike around and like, I love doing that kind of stuff. But then I started like listening more to like podcasts or just like walking and learning. And I felt like, Oh yeah. Like learning a lot of stuff through like the Bible project. This is great. Mm. Right. And um shout out <laughs> yeah so great um tim and john so um but i think what like was really tiring as well was like still the constant of like well how do i get around xyz so that i can get back and then it just kind of brought back again with um my school a being able to get me a special visa to travel and get back but there are so many complications, false starts again, mm. these past weeks, this past like month and a half that it's just like, just really highlighted how like, yeah, like I can try to do 
this many things ahead of time, but then, you know, there could be so whatever outcome. And so it's still out of my control. Mm. And um, wow. yeah, so this, the, these past seven months have been like, I'm, I, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly on the edge, like on the precipice. And I've noticed how that um, um, transfers into like my, how I've been living my life and in the sense of like not being grateful or present of where I am right now. And mm. like, this is the first time in like many years where I'm actually in Vancouver with my parents, like just living life with them. Right. And so I was in a way, um, not like really living with them. I just kept on thinking of ahead and mm. kept on being pushed forward, but I wasn't, um, recognizing the blessings that, um, God has, or what is giving me at the moment of being here. Mm. Wow, I, I, it's really been quite a, quite a seven months that you've been here in yeah. Vancouver. And even it, when you shared before to our church the video that you recorded about uh, listening to God and being in his presence and what he's saying to us here, uh, you, you really are a living example of that. Like your life, literally your situation, everything you're going through, like you're, you're living that, that out. Uh, so, so thanks for that encouragement uh, to, to us. And we don't know what's next. Like we hope, you know, you're able to get back to your country soon. Uh, and, and, uh, but then like you, as you've been learning, like through this, like through these tough lessons, it's been one step, uh, at a time and God's been with you and you've been trusting him. Uh, mm-hmm. we're coming, we're coming our time. I wish, I always wish I, we had more time to have more conversations. <laughs> Part like, two. Like, yeah. I'll, I'm going to have to invite you back, uh, wherever you're going to be in the world uh, next time. Uh, but I guess before we uh, close off here, um, is there anything else you would like to share with people listening in terms of waiting or mm. seasons or surrendering? Yeah, like I think what has been standing out to me is the idea that waiting is not necessarily like you're being um, inactive. Like I feel mm-hmm. like it's a it's a proactive kind of waiting, and it is through the waiting that I feel like it's like you're exercising your faith in Him, faith faith in Him, mm-hmm. and knowing that. Um, yeah, like as you're waiting, doing as much, you know, preparation as you can or whatever, like just knowing that even though you're stepping into the unknown and uncertainty, and even if you anticipate kind of trials ahead, you know that he is the constant, the, the stable nature that you'll have in the inconsistency of this world. Mm. And as I was going through these questions that you sent to me before, like it just yeah, like just reflecting upon these past places I've been, past experiences of me doing these extreme things and just reminded me of his faithfulness during those times. Uh, So as I continue or approach this next extreme unknown uncertainty territory, which I'm feeling like nervous about and with trepidation, like it's a reminder to me as well that like, yeah, he, he is constant in his faithfulness and for me to put my trust in him and to also acknowledge that whatever the outcomes might be whether I view it as good or bad he always is good and Mm. for me to not question that and to accept it with humility so Mm. yeah I think you know easier said than done but like I'm gonna try (laughs) (laughs) amen I do what you said um 
Yeah. Well, well, Jessica, thank you for your time. Uh, this oh, has no, been re- really a, a great, uh, joyful, and also uh, very um, um, fulfilling uh, conversation mm. that I had with you. And I really do uh, wish we can have a conversation again. So thanks yeah. for your time. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, that was my conversation with Jess Leung, and I hope there were parts that spoke to you and resonated with you. And I really hope these conversations we have are a blessing to you. The goal of these conversations isn't so much of saying this is the only way to live or that we know everything because we definitely don't, but perhaps God would stir up some thoughts in your hearts and to move you to become more like Jesus. Also, if you don't know Jess personally, the conversation today might have seemed a bit cryptic, and that's intentional. And that's only because of the sensitivity around how Jess is living out her faith right now. If you want to know how to pray or know more about the situation, please feel free to reach out to me at pastordoug at lordsloftchurch.com. Well, that's all we have for today. We have a new episode every two weeks on the Wednesday, and I hope you'll be able to tune in when I have my conversation with Aaron Ma. He's a senior product manager at Faber Technologies in Vancouver, but he's also on our congregation leadership team, and he'll be sharing his thoughts on marriage and parenting, young adults' ministries, and discipleship. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.